The OTL podcast is brought to you in association with, well, no one at the moment, but we've just paid £90 to SoundCloud for our annual subscription. That's what lets us come to you through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Smart Speakers, or wherever else you might find us. And if any company wants to cover that cost, we'd be delighted to carry your name and a bit of information about you. Over the last 12 months, we're at just under 6,000 listens, and so if you'd be interested, please get in touch through our Facebook page. We do, of course, have our partners at Beer 52. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They scour the globe to find the best small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer and bring the beers to you. And at this time of social isolation, what could be better? If you sign up through beer52.com forward slash Airdrie, they'll send you a trial case of 10 beers together with a copy of their award-winning Ferment magazine and a beer-related snack to let you see what they're all about. If you don't like them, you don't have to stay, you can cancel the subscription. But not only will you get 10 beers for £5, they'll also donate £5 to the Airdrie Ladies team. So please, give them a try. Sign up at beer52.com forward slash Airdrie. That's the word beer and the numbers 5 and 2. Welcome to Only the Lonely. We are we're following the trend in football podcasts just now and we're trying to look at nostalgia. So we said in our last podcast there's a lot going on in the world just now. We hope that everybody's well and that's obviously the most important thing. But if it helps people at all by just having some light entertainment to listen to, then that's what we're trying to do over the next period. Uh, I have on the line with me, because we're recording remotely for obvious reasons, um, a wealth of experience of watching Adrianians. I've got John O'Brien. John, how are you? Very well, thank you. And I've also got Brian Smith. Thank you. I, hi, everybody. I'm fine as well. Uh, and well, I don't know, between you, how many years of watching Airdrie are we talking about? Can we quickly calculate what was your first season? 71-72 for me, Colin. So that's... 60s, I would say, over. It must be hitting uh, beyond 50 now, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm. This is year forty-eight, believe it or not. Oh, so we've got about a century of watching Airdrie between you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and in this one, I intend to just take a back seat. So the the, the nostalgia theme was: what is your all-time eleven pre two thousand two pre liquidation? Just partly because it's a nice neat line to draw. Uh, also forces us to look at stuff that's a bit older, uh, and the football was a lot better back then as well. So uh, you've both come up with your starting eleven and with some. Uh, Additional replacements. I think is it fair to say you both had trouble getting down to starting eleven. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't that easy. I. I. I decided after about five attempts to to do uh, two things. One, not include any of the legends. So this is a an alternative legends team, according to me. And the the other one is I didn't include any of the Spaniards because I think that deserves a little program all in its own. That's a very good shout. And both both our sides actually are based very heavily uh, on the decade we come in, the 70s, which uh, stands the test of time. Um, most of them come from that time when we had uh, some great success. There's always going to be an argument between 70s and the 90s, and I plump immediately for the, the 1970s with uh, lots of good times. I would never leave some of the players that I put in, in my team and I'm glad I get the opportunity. Having been involved in the, uh, you know, the uh, Ian who set up the uh, greatest ever eleven uh, with Airdrie, was involved in the process there, and it didn't please everyone because 
you're never going to please everybody all the time in terms of picking a favourite 11 because it's always their their favourite isn't it yeah and that, and that that was done by vote wasn't it so this is very subjective because it's down to, to you two so there's no there's no wrong selections uh, so it'll be interesting to hear but uh, did you have to have a few conversations within the pavilion with the, the guys that you were leaving on the sidelines I wrestled with my goalkeeper because I had two favourite goalkeepers so one's a sub and the other one's playing I also wrestled with a player who I admired uh, greatly, who didn't play for Airdrie for, for a massive amount of time, although I was surprised he played 101 times, and that was Jerry Christie, but I've decided to put Jerry on the bench. Uh, so there, there's a couple of favourites in there, but and, and as John said, you know, and, and don't worry the youngsters listening to it, I actually think that you'll, you'll by some of the stories we'll be able to tell you, you'll, you'll get a nice flavour of what it was, but I've also gone 70s and 90s, which which probably then coincides with my own sort of footballing. Let's not call it a career because that would be that that would be uh, stretching it a bit. But the the eighties, I I I did attend lots and lots of games, but we just never really, to me, really had it off until the the end of the eighties. And there's one or two players that kind of kind of flirt with my team round about the end, but but that period in the mid eighties seems to kind of pass me by really. Uh, well, let's. Well, automatic, automatically, I, I, I can't write a book about someone and not include him in my all-time greats because he's not not just an all-time great; he's a personal friend. So my number one, I start with automatically, is John Martin, and he's not just a player. Many players have stayed a long, long time at a particular club, but uh, throughout that, he's won many Player of the Year awards, done many charitable things and just been a fantastic source of amusement and I always have this uh, debate argument with uh, Gordon Thompson, I say he scored two goals, Gordon says you can't count that goal against Falkirk when Jim Holmes put it into his own net, <coughs> so Gordon's not here to argue with me so I'll give him that one and the one he scored against St Johnson not, no keeper that anybody will be able to pick can say they've scored the goals for Airdrie, you know? That's true. I think uh, I didn't go for it. Any legend, so Big John is is the legend of legend. So, you know, I make no apologies if we were, if I decided to go with one or two of the legends in the team, quite a number of them would have been in it. So, you know, I, I haven't gone for them for that, only for that reason, but... Uh, for me, I went for Dave McWilliams. Eventually, I went for David McWilliams over Roddy McKenzie uh, because I thought McWilliams was a cracking goalkeeper that just lost his way, unfortunately, as so many players do. But for the period of time when he was right on his game, which was also during the championship winning season, I thought he was absolutely excellent. Uh, and also, obviously, played in the cup final in '75. The, the ginger beard, ginger hair looked a bit like uh, a certain uh, a certain Jesus, if I'm honest. Uh, I think that's what he was called at the time. And, and he, big skinny guy who, you know, when he played against Celtic, he wore a green shirt. And when he played against Rangers, he, 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 wore, a, he wore the opposite. So, you know, he, he, he had a bit of character about him. A very, very clever guy, Chartered Surveyor. I remember yeah, sure. doing an in interview with me and he told me the funny story uh, which went along the lines of they were going up. team had a, a Highland tour and it took them up to Bucky and places like that. And uh, 
he was uh, rooming with uh, Jim Black in the mid-70s. And uh, Jim, just as they arrived at the hotel, Jim Black says, oh, there's a phone call for me, I better go and get it, because he was uh, one of his children was, well, his wife was expecting a child at that point in time. So he says, here, he says, take that uh, bag up to the room for me, would you, Davy? So he says, I'm carrying this bag up the room. And as I'm, as I'm carrying the bag, he says to me, this is, you must be have a set of barbells in here. He says, I just can't lift the whole thing at all. So I struggled up the stairs, he says, with uh, the, the big uh, heavy bag. And eventually Jim came up and he told me the good news about uh, Childborn, etc. And I said, don't bother about that. Just tell me what the hell's in the bag. And he went and he unzipped it. And there's 48 cans of lager in it <laughs> in preparation for the celebration. So yeah, and unfortunately, Dave had more than more than a few in, in his time, didn't he? So yeah, oh, he was. Uh, to me, he was uh, my favourite season, 73, 74. Him and uh, Willie McCulloch uh, were two steals from Alawa Athletic. You know, at, at the time when 73. We, we catapulted down the leagues into relegation, having been in a British Cup final not much earlier, lost Vue Busby, etc. And then all of a sudden, we, we plucked these two gems. McWilliams, a goalkeeper who I, I admired greatly as well. And was on the cusp, he was actually, Alan Ruff kept him out of the Scotland under 21 squad. And yeah, that's he right. in yeah. some programmes, if you, you look at it. So he was a very good keeper in his day. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I had a lot of time from actually my favourite every player of all time is a certain Mr McCulloch who also features in my team and every time I meet him I, I remember uh, just diverting slightly. My son was the mascot in a home game against Aloha and we were going, you know, getting the tour of the stadium and, and we came across a picture with Willie in it and I said, that guy there, best every player I've ever seen for me, 110% totally underrated about how talented he was, particularly before his unfortunate accident. I said, if we ever meet that guy, you need to, we'll need to get a picture. I then got taken down onto the pitch and who's sitting in the dugout by Wally McCulloch. I don't know who was more chuffed. My wife said, I don't, I, you know, like she said, I thought it was your day out and not, and not Lucy's. And I've met him a number of times. Uh, I haven't seen him for quite a wee while, actually, but what a gentleman. He's, 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 he's a delight to talk to. He, he did have me really perplexed at one of his actions. It was in the 1976 Cup final when he was having an outstanding game, actually. And I had him as man of the match. But there was this point in time, I'm trying to remember what the scoreline was at the time before we went on to win it. But he squared up almost to Bill Mullen, the referee, and it ended up with Bill Mullen. It was just stomachs against stomachs, and he ended up, Bill Mullen fell to the ground, retreating. And I thought, oh no, he's going to get sent off here. But thankfully, uh, he didn't. He stayed on, uh, got to drink from the, the cup at the end of it, the only spring cup we ever won in Scottish football, our claim to play, fame. Yeah, I, I fell that night and sprained my ankle when we scored the third goal, John. So I've got good memories of that one as well. So. <laughs> right, so we've, we've got both keepers. In fact, before we move on, uh, John, you made a very good point there. That there's a, a bit John Martin's charitable, charitable actions. So it always strikes me that the the players from that very successful team in the nineties didn't didn't coin it in in the way that top footballers do now. Uh, I mean, John's doing a job in, in Tesco at the moment, so he'll be a key worker keeping the country moving. Um, but despite that, he's given away 
both these cup final medals for for good causes when it, uh, when the times come along, or in fact one he just given away to a fan initially. Um, there's a chapter in the book that you wrote with him, which is very sad. The story about his his grandchild who um who they lost, and every year John's got a fundraiser at Preston Pan's Legion, I think, and every year it sells out. So you always think the entry fans could go along, would have a great day, but he almost doesn't need the support there. But I'll, I'll say it now to try and remind me next time I see that. I think we as fans given all that he did for the club and the, the fact he was willing to give away Scottish Cup final medals, um, we should probably be having a whip round for, for John's charity because it's, it's a terrible story uh, and he's helped us so many times it'd be, be nice for the fans to support him in that way. Well said. Absolutely. Well, we start with formation. So how have you both lined up? Have you gone 4-4-2? Yep. Yeah. Well, I've gone 4-3-3. Okay, uh, and so, so we'll get two back fours. Why don't you, uh, John, if you talk us through your back four first, uh, just so we get through right. uh, through it, and and then, Brian, you can do the same. We'll see if we've got any of the uh, the same players. And just m- maybe talk us through, for each player, key memories, so why as they've made your, your all-time 11. Paul Jonquin became a personal friend, uh, you know, because his sister actually lived around the corner after I had moved to Cairnhill Avenue, and... Uh, I used to see him all the time. I just wish I had known him longer during his playing days. He was a total gentleman. He came in, sat, and we talked about his football career in great detail. And uh, I just loved him a bit. I, I think he was one, along with uh, Derek Piper, who had planned with the new stadium in place to create what Motherwell currently have, which is a, a former player uh, system whereby you know they, they would be regulars at the club and they would do it on a rotational basis. I don't know the way Mother will work, but Billy Reid was one of the people who coordinated all that. But uh, Derek and uh, Paul were going to be two of the the main uh, main involved parties, and, and sadly, you know that didn't come to pass because of uh, of events. But uh, you know Paul John, when my favourite player from the eighties, who I got to meet thanks to uh, Stuart Miller because uh, one of his teammates at the time, Tom Black, was invited to the come back to the club uh, and was in hospitality. I got to talk to him at great length. He was my favourite player and caused the... It was the only reason I ever had caused to dial that Radio uh, Clyde Super Scoreboard because Tom Black was lined up for a testimonial along with uh, Brian McEwen and John Martin. Uh, by Gordon McQueen, and Gordon McQueen uh, went away. And, but his reasons being that uh, the club weren't wholly committed to going full-time, etc. But the next minute, he joined uh, St Mirren, and who signed for St Mirren on the back of that? Tom Black. And that frustrated me to such an extent. I phoned, and it was Davy Proven who answered me. He says, what do you expect? He's going to be playing the Premier League. We don't talk a lot of nonsense. That was me. And they cut you off before you can even get a comeback. That was such a thing. But uh, I've still got the T-shirt, incidentally. It's rather grotty looking now. But Tom Black, I loved because I just thought the 80s were so variable and uh, how we maintained to keep some of the players we did for so long, including Martin and Black, uh, amongst others, you know, uh, was a great feat. Uh, the other one being back four is my sweeper, Cody Brown McEwen, and centre-back Jim Black. I'd be my back four. Don't think either had any introduction. I uh, 
I've gone slightly different. Again, no legends for, for my own rules. So I've got uh, Jimmy Boyle at right back, who 242 appearances first time around and then nine the second time. And unless I'm mistaken, I think he held some sort of record for appearances with Queen's Park before he, he arrived at, at Airdrie. But I always thought we Jimmy never never ever let us down and, and you know, I just felt that for me he was he was very understated. Uh, left back I chose John Lapsley, who played in the seventies. He played two hundred and two games for us and scored a very famous goal from memory in the Scottish Cup semi final. That's right, John, isn't it? Uh, yes, he did. Although some yes. did it to a, an own goal deflection. Yeah, so, I think I was pushing it a bit. Given his goal. Yeah, I uh, I got my scarf stolen by a Motherwell fan that night, but I wasn't really bothered. And then I I wanted to be a, a wee bit about the height in my uh, my two central defenders, but I just couldn't leave out Paul Jack with 309 appearances, and and again a bit like Jimmy Boyle, never felt as if. He ever let us down, Lumber. I thought he was great. And somebody who I really, really admired as, as a player in the same era was, was Chris Honor, who actually played 94 times for us, which, which I thought was actually more than, 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 than I realised. And, and again, I thought he was a very, very under, underrated player. I thought he was vital to that every team at that point in time. He was quite... Uh, in fact, you could, you could argue Paul Jack as well. Obviously, you know, they're, they're very... You know, flexible. They could play full back, play centre. You know, and and play midfield. Actually, Chris on a few times, but I I didn't want to leave him out. So so that's that's my back four. It's quite nineties orientated, but I think every one of them justifies a place. So a few questions based on those. So John, what's on a Clyde One Super Scoreboard T-shirt? What what? The, see, I was at the game today, caller. No, no, it was in the days actually, just after Jimmy Sanderson, but. Uh, just so it says uh, Radio Clyde, I telephone Radio Clyde Super Scoreboard. That was it. Jimmy Boyho, that great servant to the club. I actually remember vividly one of his appearances second time round, and I don't think it was any intention that he was going to play, but it was just as Airdrie United were kind of finding their feet. Uh, it was a place, at, a game at Hamilton's new stadium, and he looked, <laughs> his legs were well gone by that point. Played nine times second time around, Colin. I've been doing my homework. It was a bit of a shock. Uh, but have you ever seen a football player the same shape as Jimmy Boyle? I mean, that's what was up for. It's just this wee barrel, wasn't he? Like, he was a great player, but he didn't have physical physical gifts that you, you would associate with a footballer. No, I'll tell you one thing, he had a really good long throw. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think he had, you know, all the attributes. I think that in terms of his shape, he didn't really look like a footballer, you know, and, and, and if you are ever listening, Jimmy, my apologies for that, but you certainly made up for it in your performances, so I just felt, he was one of the guys who put his name on the team sheet, and I don't actually think he had, you could ever genuinely say that he had a poor game, he might have had an average game, or a very good game, but never a poor one. I think both of them, two of your players, Boyle and Jack, suffered from the the description of utility players, you know, yeah. they, could, they could fit, up, they could do so well in so many positions that, that, that you know, they didn't. Uh, that, that, uh, it's meant to be a compliment to be able to play in so many different positions, you know. But uh, I, I think that uh, you remember the the game against uh, Hibs in the Scottish Cup semi uh, quarter final, where Paul Jack was playing up front, Owen yeah. Coyle was left on the bench, you know. 
nobody understood Ali McDonald's tactics that day, but it still done the trick. That was the fluidity of selection. You know, these players that they could just play anywhere. But yeah. I, I, I love both of them and have. I don't have Jimmy Boyle either on my bench, but I have Paul Jack on my bench because he he was absolutely wonderful and uh, was uh, the catalyst for Jimmy Bones' success, one of his top players. If you look at the players that Jimmy Bones signed that helped to take us up, you know, he was responsible for many of the, the, the players selected. Paul yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd, funny enough, I'd, I'd, I did consider calling, uh, putting in Pat McCloskey actually, because he was another one that was quite utility, either played played sweeper or played in midfield. But when I played for Shots Bon Accord against him in a pre-season friendly, he gave me the biggest lesson of my life. So he's on the bench. Oh yeah, I thought I would have got him in the team, Brian. If you outclassed you, you might have, what a player he <laughs> no, must no, have I been. Still, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever recovered, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm just thinking key Jimmy Boyle memories. He, he did. He scored a brace at. At Fir Park, didn't, didn't Park, he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, talk about nostalgia. I'm sure, and I wasn't there, but from the TV highlights, that he burst the net at the tenant sixes. And do you remember that? I bought my my story with the tenant sixes is I bought the tickets for all the guys, uh, and we all were leaving from the Albert, and I actually met my future wife, who is my current wife, obviously, <laughs> uh, and and I got a better offer and and then didn't know that we had actually done so well until the next day when I read the paper. So, you know, days before social media and all that, kids, if, you, if you're listening, and, and then went, oh, man, I could have had a better night out in Edinburgh, but anyway, that's that's another story. So. Oh, don't forget, Jimmy Boyle scored a goal in a cup final that we won. Against the Dundee being Q Cup final, so yeah, true. He would always, true. He would always uh, come up with a goal at set times and had scored in the semi final as well. So he was always there on hand to score very important goals. Yeah, I, he didn't actually score as many as I thought because uh, by my uh, research, it said he only scored 15 goals, and that seemed quite low for me because I'm sure I could probably remember just about all of them. Yeah. Uh, what, where are you getting that stance from? Are you getting, uh, get... Wikipedia, why, where else? <laughs> because, because they only count the, the league goals, actually. Yeah, that's I think that's from... what it is, John. And I actually did realise that once of... I'd done it. Yeah, because there's a, a few that were a wee bit weak. A lot of cup goals, particularly, you know, when you think of them, how well those teams and players did in the, in the cup, you know. So. Yeah. But, yeah, he scored a lot of important goals, Shimmy Boyle, and... Uh, He's one. Well, although post two thousand and two, we did have a lot of uh, former player stroke managers. He can he he has that claim to fame, you know. And I thought well, he was I, a superb coach as well. When you look at some of the players that he brought on, Tony Watt and uh, Mackay Stephen, you know, they went on to better things. And I think Jimmy Boyle take some credit for that. Well, they certainly, I know that, that Tony Watt speaks very, very highly of them, but I think, uh, I felt, uh, I, I must admit, I, I felt quite wounded for him when he left, because I did, I did I had, again, I, I sort of bumped into him a few times and, and I, I did rate him. I thought, you know, we just hit a wall that we couldn't get out of. Uh-huh. And I think it was probably the right thing to do at the time to, you know, for him to leave, but you know, it's, it's always sad when when these guys leave, and, and particularly in these circumstances. Yeah, no, I, I feel really sorry for um, all the, the that category you mentioned, John. So, I mean, Sandy Stewart being sacked. Uh, you look back on that, and it seems crazy now, uh, and, and the way the 
crowd turned against Kenny Black and Jimmy Boyle and now with hindsight I don't think the investment was there so we were we were judging them partly by what we expect of an Airdrie team and the, and the kind of Airdrie teams that were, were great that they played in um, when they didn't have the resources at, at hand so uh, it's a shame if that soured the relationship with the, with the club because you want them to be celebrated for the great things that they did as players I'm not sure if he's still with Dundee in some capacity in the youth set up because that was his uh, forte I have to say you know. uh, and then I was just going to say on that you've got Paul Jack there as well I mean we had a, a Q&A with Paul Jack before a game uh, in the stadium bar and one of the things that always sticks with me is I asked him what do you think your strengths were and he just gave me a bullet instant answer about like, oh, I, was, I was fast, I was strong in the attack but he knew all his strengths and I do always wonder about what was the magic of Alex McDonald and that's footballers should have a bit of bravado and, and know exactly what they're great at but it was good to see that Lumber didn't, didn't miss a trick in, in seeing why, what he was good at. He was a great Airdrie player, but I, I do. Alex McDonald's a, a character I'm fascinated by, just in terms of what he, he continued to get out of that Airdrie team up until his very last season. Absolutely, absolutely. I think he he, he looked. I I think his his big strength as a manager was taking players like Paul Jack from teams like Arbroath and actually knew exactly what he wanted them to do. And and I think. To, for someone like Paul Jack, he followed it to the letter. And you mentioned Chris Honor there, so Chris Honor popped up in the the paper. That, well, I think yesterday potentially about it was exactly thirty. What would it be? Thirty-two years since him scoring the winning goal against Hearts. Oh, sorry, twenty twenty-eight years since he scored that winning penalty. Uh, and um, I mean, you know, it's a name that you've you've not heard of for a long time. I then Wikipedia'd uh, him, so I, again, Brian, I'm taking these stats as being correct. But he hardly played at Bristol Rovers before he signed for Airdrie, and he never really settled anywhere after he left. So again, you think, what was the scouting that we pick up a guy at Bristol, bring him up here? He has that impact on a team. Again, it just seems quite astounding that 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 we had scouts that w- would cover that. Well, it might be. I, I don't know the Stony Colin, but but it wouldn't surprise me if it would be very similar to the Stevie Cooper story, which was actually they were away watching the other striker and actually decided that Stevie Cooper was a better option. You know, so it wouldn't have surprised me if they've just they've just come across him at, at some point. But you would spot right away that the guy could play football. You know, so you know, for me, uh, he had he had a touch of class that that. You know, and and when he when he left us, you know, and and then came back again for a little period, it, it just wasn't quite the same, you know, because you knew that he didn't want to be there, you know, he was he was caught in that that terrible scenario of before Bosman's, you know, so, uh, but I, I he, he, without question he played a big part in our history of the nineties. Yeah, and just for younger listeners, it used to be that at the end of your contract, a player, a club could hold on to your registration. So basically, Airdrie were, were demanding a fee for wherever he moved, uh, which was a terrible thing, uh, which ended with Bosman. But um, again, you, you think that you can't leave Chris Honor with only happy memories of Airdrie, albeit he seemed to be speaking highly of us in the, the bit of press that he did just there. Time heals. Moving on, my mid- midfield, I just did, I picked these three players because. I wanted to fit them in effectively. <laughs> I'll sort out my uh, Derek Whiteford, Will Maguire, Will McCulloch. McCulloch we've talked about. Derek Whiteford uh, sat and gave me uh, uh, an interview that lasted something like four hours one night. Uh, he brought out all his scrapbooks and let me talk to him at great length. 
and told me the story, you know, how how pleased he was, you know, to have beaten Hibs in the Scottish Cup in his first ever game back, having not really had a chance with uh, Hibernian. But he was just, he was a leader and uh, one of the nicest obituaries I've ever read in my life was the one Bob Cramsey wrote about Derek Whiteford. He was an outstanding, he came to management, I think, to save face for Airdrie because it was on the back of the, the McGrain affair and uh, the... The board managed very, very poorly. But uh, Derek Whiteford, a wonderful man, and he gave me a lot of time. And a superb footballer, outstanding, one of the best ever, I've ever came to watch. Well, I'm Maguire, I put in because of the fact I'm so proud of the fact that uh, I was at school with Willie. We went for the same position. We they were looking for a wee bit. No, I'm only kidding. I mean, he, he played in the Scottish Cup. Him, him and uh, John McVeigh, you know, uh, were in the school team. I could never even get into because it was filled with so many great players. But he was a symbol of just how great the Airdrie team back then was for playing young players. The Airdrie schools played Coat Bridge schools on a regular basis and along would come the Airdrie scouts and cherry-pick all the best players. And I was amazed. We got Norrie Anderson. We got Stuart Millimus who came in the 80s, obviously, as well. And you had uh, players... Sandy Clark, above all, but I mean, Marshall Poulton, you know, Des Mackay was another uh, who came in the early 70s. We just could cherry pick. Willie Maguire epitomises the thing, one of the things, I don't know if we do it now and how many, uh, because players nowadays uh, are signed from the, about 11 years old, and Willie McCulloch is the other one I want to, to squeeze in there for my midfield. Let's stay on Derek Whiteford for a while. Sorry, and Brian. Were you, I mean, what school were you at? Were you? Did he teach you? No, I was at uh, Aird Academy. So he was at Calderville. So I did actually uh, in my junior days. Actually, used to manage and coach with his cousin, uh, who looked actually identical to him. Weirdly, but was uh, no offence, Bill Whiteford, but you weren't quite the player Derek was. So. <laughs> he taught us in Ambrose as well when. Uh... Bob Cramsey was director there. And, but it's a name spoken in, in glowing terms. So why? Because I, I think there's different reasons it can be. If somebody's a great player, Antonio Calderon only played a handful of games, but is, is remembered because he was just technically so good and different to anything that he'd seen. And I was thinking like Paul Lovren, although we didn't see the absolute best off him, and he, he, he played on probably beyond what, what he should for his own health, judging by how he was walking at the end of it. But it was all heart and it was there for a long time, so you develop a relationship. Derek Whiteford, I'd never hear anyone say a bad word about him, but I didn't get to see him play. So, I mean, what were the, the key strengths there? Why did your fans love him so much? Well, I was quite a young man then. Uh, so, when I so was 75, I'd still only be 12, but he, he kind of just was like Mr. Airdrie. At the time, I think uh, he, he seemed to, he was, he was a great leader at that. Even, even, at, my very young age, you could you could recognise that he he was the guy in charge on the pitch, and and for me, he he never gave up and just drove on, and from time to time would would pull us out of holes like you know like when it wasn't expected. The year we won the championship in the old second division, he was absolutely outstanding. It made me laugh, Derek, because you used to tell me that. Uh... There was times where he would appear before the SFA for a booking, and his grounds for appeal in the booking were 
that he wore contact lenses and one of them had fell out. He hadn't really deliberately obstructed his opponent. So it was, it was fantastic. I just think everyone who has ever come across him, you know, would, would speak in glowing terms. And uh, a man, a father, you know, and just someone involved in football. And he got his, got his wish to, to play for his local team, uh, captain them uh, in a cup final, as well as lift a cup and uh, eventually go on to management. And I think it was only the circumstances. He, he didn't have the time. He, he told me that uh, one of his biggest regrets was not uh, getting to see his... I think his daughters were very good uh, badminton players and not really getting... A footballer, even at a part-time level back in those days, just gave so much of their time, you know, to accommodate the gap between full-time and part-time. Yeah. And Willie Maguire, uh, terrific. Keep you up is with a Malteser again. Did that for everybody in the stadium bar, and one of the things that we did a couple of seasons ago. He's back in about the club. He's he's a patter merchant. He, he's great entertainment. Uh, as a footballer, though, what, what was he like? Was Willie was he a winger? Was he a forward? He just I've, I've, I've got him as a winger in my team, but but I think uh, you know he, 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 you could actually with, with my side you could actually put him just behind the, the front too you know and 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 years you know years to come that's probably where he would have played the ball was kind of tied to his feet I did I did have the pleasure of playing against him <coughs> once and that was that same game where Pat McCluskey never gave me a kick and and you could see just how easy he made it look I, I, you went to school with him John and obviously saw a lot of him and uh-huh. I saw a lot of him. As as a fan, but you know, I I I just thought Wee Willie was was a fantastic footballer. Absolutely, he, he, as I said, well, ball, it looked like the ball was tied to his feet. Uh, Celtic had Jimmy Johnson, Rangers Willie Henderson, um, Kevin McAllister, Falkirk. Every play, every team had their own wee wizard, as he would be called, and he was suitably named Willie Maguire. He, uh, absolutely wonderful star with the ball at his feet. You just couldn't get near him, you know. And again, uh, for for a player to break through uh, and achieve so much, you know, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I went for a four, Colin. So I've I've gone for the mercurial Stevie Gray on the right. I've taken Tommy Walker from the seventies, along with Kenny Black, and I've got I've got Willie Maguire playing sort of wide left. But you you know that's that's quite quite flexible. Interestingly enough, you know, when we come to Willie McCulloch, I've actually put him up front because he's an original career. He was a midfielder and then he moved up front sort of later on. Uh, Stevie Gray, I don't think I need to say anything. Everybody still raves about Stevie. I, 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 it used to frustrate me a bit about, you know, like he was such an individual, but so talented. Uh, just one sort of little story that I always remember I actually wasn't even in a first team game I was at a game on a Monday night I used to like going and watching the reserves on a Monday night and I've actually started doing that again if I'm honest and, and there was a trialist playing and he, he, he spotted early doors that this trialist wasn't very good and all, all he did was all night saying don't pass to him he's rubbish don't pass to him and, and I felt so sorry for the poor trialist because he he, he obviously looked at someone and just made a judgment. He looked at this guy, made a judgment that he wasn't very good and therefore wouldn't have passed him, you know? So very, very strange, uh, very strange individual, but the, he was, you know, how many times down the years have we said in Scottish football, you know, what a wasted talent, but my, my, oh my, is that one wasted talent. So 
you know, a lot of time for him. I, I loved watching him. Thought he was great. Tommy Walker played 299 games. What a pity he never got. Maybe he did play 300 odds joining. Maybe maybe that was that was league games. But uh, Tommy played for us in two spells. My dad had this theory with Tommy that actually he should have went out and played a half before he played because he seemed to always be better in the second half. But what, what, he was another one in Scotland on the 21 side as far as... It was he under was. 23 in the days, wasn't it? He was uh, a, an and, athlete. And he, we signed him from our broth. He was he was a lovely man. I actually got to meet him a few times. Actually, uh, And and he was involved in things like the Adrian Colebridge Operatic Society, I seem to vaguely remember. Yeah. And so he was just, just a really nice guy. But but what a player. He was, he was, he was so silky. Uh, and then I put him right in beside Kenny Black, for, and, and mm. Kenny's probably my, I, you know, my top three every players of all time would be Willie McCullough, Jerry Christie, and, and Kenny Black, and 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 I thought Kenny Black had such a cultured left foot, and you know if if I had to put my house on a free kick or a or or a penalty actually, and I know David Kirkwood was particularly good at them at the time, but my money was on Kenny. So, you know, I, I think Kenny Black was, was a brilliant signing for Airdrie. Yeah, my uh, very brief Tommy Walker story, uh, because he left teaching uh, and moved to the uh, same line of work as me, HMRC, <laughs> and uh, I got to know him very well before he headed down to Yorkshire, where he's, he's now retired. But uh, he had told told me there was one time he was in the days when I used to do occasional runs, marathons etc. He, he didn't have a, a, a pass ticket for a, a 10k that was taking place in Glasgow this evening he fancied a competitive race. So I said I've bought this ticket, he says on you go. And I says here take, take my pass and it's the first time John O'Brien ever recorded a terrific finishing first <laughs> First place, he came in the following uh, following day and gave me uh, one of these digital watches and uh, bags for my uh, running shoes on the strength of it. But my name is forever emblazoned and lights as first place, John O'Brien. He was a ringer. <laughs> so what's the title that you hold, John? What, what, what run was it, do you know? Is there still a trophy kicking about that you're on there? I used to do marathons way back in the day. My best ever time was 3.24, but uh, that was uh, in the 80s. But uh, Tommy used to come out at lunchtime and uh, uh, run with us before he disappeared into the distance. But uh, he was he loved his all-round athleticism. Uh, yeah, and what kind of player? Because all I've seen is um, EBA joining quite a lot, and there's... But he looks like a big sportsman. It's a big smiley face football card that comes up with Tommy Walker. But what, what was he? Was box to box? Box to box, yeah. I would say he's had great fitness, and that's what got him noticed. He got noticed in the driver a cup game playing against us for uh, a broth. And as Brian said, that uh, he actually, when he was midway through his studies, he went back on loan to our broth for, for a spell in the uh, early 70s before returning to us. But uh, he, he was outstanding, and I, th- I just think he, he was one of the, the players who made his mark, you know, just very capable. He, he, I don't think you would ever say he would pick up lots of bookings for dirty challenges, but he was very cultured in his approach, I would say, Tommy. Yeah, I think that's spot on, John. Cultured, that's the word I would use. I had a lot of time for Tommy Walker. It was a, an early 
an early hero. Goals win your games. So who are we going with up front, John? Well, I, I, everyone thinks that I, I had a great say in, in the selection. Why did you not include him? And why there's only one Jardy and Busby? And I says I agree with you. I says, but it's so to open to everyone to to make those votes. Jarvie and Busby just lit up my life post the 1970 Mexico World Cup watching Brazil. I just thought, I've got to take in so much football and watching Airdrie early on, Busby and Jarvie with Wilson alongside them was just a joy to behold. And no wonder that they, they both went for significant fees to the respective clubs. Jarvie, it's hard to believe he... In the one year, he, he, he got three international caps, all as a substitute. Also played for the Scottish League and played in the under-23 games in the same season. You know, we're just absolutely wonderful. For Jarby to go and score four goals against Huddersfield was utterly amazing. I remember the 71-2 uh, Texaco Cup. The Scottish sides were four to begin with. By the time they played their first rounds there, they were the only uh, Scottish club remaining. You know, and we, we were outstanding, outdone only by the team that eventually won the English League the same season. So uh, it was just a joy to behold seeing Busby and Jarvie scoring. Busby was the, the rugged, lacking finesse, just bloody nose, broken nose, uh, bandaged up. Etc. Jarvey would be the Mr. Comover along with one of his under 23 opponents in the English. Ralph Coates played against him that time as well. You know. <laughs> so, I remember I mean, him. And Billy Wilson. Jarvey missed out on a Junior Cup winner's medal with Kilsyth Rangers, but he played alongside uh, Billy Wilson at the time. And the two of those players came from Kilsyth Rangers. So it was a wonderful combination. They, they, they just understood each other's play. And it was easy. I can understand. Effectively, it sums up for me the 70s, you know, uh, if I, I was to ask either of you, how many managers do you think we had in the 70s? Would you be able to answer? Maybe two, maybe three. Three? Bit. Three. It's the lowest ever decade, just about. Is... Yeah, I thought it would be three. Was that, was that Ralph Collins, Ian McMillan and Jackie Stewart? No, no, Bobby Watson came in the 70s. So, so I mean, he... God, it's uh, Bobby the 70s, 79? 78, 78, yeah. 79. Uh, so, they were the... Whereas in the 80s, we were about six. Yeah. And that, there was no stability. And that's why success comes with stability, just like it did in the 90s, you know. I agree. So, as, I, funny enough, as a young man, I also played against Billy Wilson, but... It was uh, it was pre you know no it was post season and in Airdrie they used to have a pub league and we played up at Clarkson in a cup tie went to penalties uh, and I played that night I was only I think I was eighteen at the time so Billy would be a, a fair age and and when I was a young man I got a chance to go and train at Airdrie and Billy and Jim Wilson his brother. Actually, yeah. we're, we're we're running it at the time, but I was I was so much younger than the rest, and and you know I was uh, to be honest at that stage I was about out of my depth, but he he was a marvelous player, Billy, and he would have been in my team if it wasn't for the fact that I'm not choosing any of the legends. <laughs> so I've gone up front with uh, I've gone with Busby because I, I loved Drew Busby. 
and I've got a, a, one of my best friends is a Hearts fan who raves about him constantly. And and I've gone for Willie up the front, so McCulloch goes up the front. Drew Jarvie's on the bench, and and uh, that was a t- that was a tough one. But I think it's because I probably saw Drew Jarvie at the the tail end of his Airdrie career rather than and rather than you know the start. Although he did come back, obviously, you know later on. And and as I said, Willie McCullough's a god as far as I'm concerned. So he was getting in the team no matter what. Yeah. So. yeah. It says everything about Busby and Jarvie that Busby is in the Hearts Hall of Fame and the Airdrie Hall of Fame. Yeah. Jarvie is in the Aberdeen and the Airdrie Hall of Fame. So I mean, well, Sir you. Alex talks. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson raves about Drew Jarvie. You know, and he was. I think he probably. Well, in his early days at Aberdeen. You know, and and for someone of that calibre to to speak so highly of of a player, says that he's a player. Let's face it, and and he was he was an excellent footballer. Name checks: Roddy McKenzie, Paul Jack, Sandy Clark, Jim March, Owen Coyle, Tommy Walker, and Mark Cowan. I love Mark Cowan. Another player. I wanted to be Mark Cowan because he just looked like. The bloke that got all the women, if I'm honest. So, <laughs> uh, I I'll give my shout outs to George Anderson, Jerry Christie, Roddy McKenzie, Drew Jarvie, Pat McCluskey, Tom Black, Ennis McDonald, and Sammy Cohen. They're my squad of twenty. Uh, and you could put any of them in and actually give anybody a game. Yeah. I think. Great days indeed. What was the hardest decision? So, so you, if we're bringing a sub on after fifty minutes, who was who was the one that you struggled with most? Question that, Colin. I think the one I struggled with most, if I'm honest, was whether to put George Anderson in the team for a little bit of height at the back. You know, initially, I, I, I thought George Anderson, who we signed from Morton, was he was another one. It was a Scotland under twenty three player, I think, at one point, John. And uh, you know when we signed him, I thought, oh, we've we've had the jackpot here. He's did, but he he, he played. Uh, he actually played 101 games according to this. So you know he played quite quite a time, but he played in, in not a great every side. So I think he, his his contribution was a bit understated. If I was bringing someone on after 70 minutes, you've got to think maybe somebody like Anis McDonald or or Jerry Christie. Jerry Christie had the ability to to turn the game by. Just a, a pass that nobody else had seen. Uh, I thought he was very, very underrated. For me, Coyle or Clark, I would toss a coin and just say, on you go. I maybe even put the two of them on as a double switch. Yeah. They wouldn't know how to deal with it. Well, what do you, I was going to say, what do you miss most? So, your lineup, John, you've got McCulloch and Maguire in midfield. Uh, a front three as well. So, thinking, attack, everybody likes attacking football, but. Do you think football's gone in a direction where it's not as entertaining? Because I can't imagine us having as enlivened a conversation as this uh, if we did do a post-2002 team, which there are different reasons for as well. But what is it you think we miss most about football from, from previous eras? Not natural for me. Uh, you know, like like a lot of it now is, and, and even at boys' club level, was about, is about shape. And 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 about you know and and about fitness and and I I I didn't play for quite some time and then then went back and couldn't believe how quick it had become and that was twenty five years ago, twenty years ago maybe uh, and and it's just got quicker and quicker and quicker and I think that it, as it was just a little bit slower, 
and and a little bit more natural than I think that that you did get. For example, David McWilliams first uh, the first game I saw David McWilliams playing for Airdrie, we beat Montrose six four. You know, you, you just don't get these kind of games anymore. You know, and and so there was. They, they weren't maybe just quite as well organised as they are now and, and a lot of it now to me is, is you know, let's let's defend what we've got rather than let's go and get another one. For me, football football's changed because of the fact that uh, you think you're on a good run if you draw three matches in a row, whereas you'd have been better to have won two and lost one and going for it because it's six points now. In the old days when it was two points and one points, a draw was a good result, particularly away from home. So more and more, you're seeing uh, clubs uh, make the the you know coming out bit come out of things better with with going going for a win rather than perhaps trying to find yourself just earning a draw. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, John. I think the other one I would add is the fact that we play each other four times a year, where where the teams have got that used to one another. You know, in in, in the seventies there was a league of eighteen and a league of nineteen. Uh, was that right? 18 and 17 or 18 and 19 and and you know like you played each other twice and, and there was a freshness about you know every week that you had a home game you were playing somebody yeah. different and you wouldn't see them again for another six months you know and that yeah. was it Whereas yeah, now and there was a freshness about that, so that I think that they've become obsessed the, the, the authorities have become obsessed about you know the, these big games but but for the likes of us, you know, for me, if we are playing a different team just about every week, then then that 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 breeds more entertainment. You don't know as much about the opposition, and there's more opportunity for a little bit more uh, openness about the games. Yeah, yeah. And to finish, I put a shout out on the the to Facebook page, just asking best players post two thousand and two. I mean, there's a lot of names being thrown forward. Uh, the two that did stick out to me, one wasn't one that I'd said immediately, it was Willie McLaren, the first, when he broke through in that season where we won the, the, the what would have been then, the second division, it was just unplayable at points. I mean, everybody knew he's lightning quick, Owen Coyle's going to flick the ball on his shoulder and he'll run onto it, but, but they couldn't stop him. Uh, and I guess one of my criteria, he went on to play at a higher level, so uh, I mean, I think his powers diminished quite quickly to skull fracture. I don't know that he was ever the same player, uh, but he did go on to play at St John's Thunder on, on Coyle uh, and Alan Gow. Alan Gow I just thought was a delightful footballer. Uh, I remember him at the Falkirk Stadium and I gave him the Airdrie loss, but he just, he, he was just class and he, he ripped him to bits. Uh, so it wasn't a surprise for me when he uh, when he went on. And, and I guess in the, in the history of our club, when they paid all that money for uh, to, to buy Clyde Banks' place in the league, essentially, but with that came Alan Gow, and they probably got quite a lot of it back, albeit it was undisclosed when he did go to Falkirk. Um, so those are the two standouts for me. Is anyone post-2002 you think could could lace the boots of anyone in your teams? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Not the... But I mean, I, I, I loved uh, uh, Paul Lovering probably because of his commitment when he played uh, during that time. But we're talking... All the players that we've mentioned is effectively in that promotion were inside, so that goes back a long, long time. You know, a lot of the players don't. Players nowadays, they're season with us and then gone. Anybody who uh, shines, shall we say, like uh, Joe Cardell, he's away. You know, yeah. Uh, like the wee boy Baird, who he's away. So I mean, 
other clubs are going to come in and they're going to take up better offers. So the players that we had to an extent and, and maybe did quite well for us um, on a season or whatever, they've gone. Andy Ryan, gone, but he's back on loan just now. You know, so I mean, that, that, that's just the way football is at the moment. Uh, and it's a question of the highest bidder coming in. And once we get to where we want to go, I think things will change. And and I think that's why I, I very quickly said no because if you look at you know most of my team, the you know a lot of them have played well over two hundred games for us, and the, you know most of the other ones have played over a hundred games for us. And, uh-huh. and how many of these guys now, unfortunately, as John has just said, and I think that's absolutely spot on. How many of these guys have got the opportunity to play to play these many games for us and to get the 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 love and affinity of fans that these guys that we've named today have? Yeah, I don't think you'll see many, and even across uh, most football teams in the the lower leagues anyway, uh, uh, remain at a club that they will earn a testimonial. You know that kind of thing. That, that won't happen anymore. No, I agree. Lovering had. A testimonial, but it's so, it's so rare. Uh, so, so I agree with you, and it's a shame. Uh, I mean, I think it, it's one of the the post Bosman and clubs being strapped for cash that they sign year to year deals, and as you say, if they shine, they shine brightly, but they don't shine for long. That Alan Russell, Tony Watt. I mean, Tony Watt was what sixteen years old, turned seventeen, played half a season for us, and we can't knock back a, a bit of a of a hundred grand or sixty grand with add-ons, whatever it was. So. Uh, until we get the place, the, the the club to a more stable place where we can look to keep these guys for a bit longer to try and increase their value, um, you, you can't see that changing, and it does make it harder to to grow affinity for players, as you've said, Brian. Yeah, and, and funny enough, I, I think the three players that that I would sort of I would have added based on the question without the very sharp no were the th- the two that you've mentioned and the other one that John's mentioned. You know, I think Paul Levering did uh, does deserve a lot of credit for you know staying and giving his all, and and you know not once could you say that he didn't give his all. And I think that Alan Gow was extremely talented, as was Willie McLaren. It was just very disappointing that that the way that the career sort of fizzled out. Yeah, I, not I, with I, us. and the closest to a winger that we've had for. For a long time, and, and, exi- yeah. and, and, and brilliant to watch, and exciting to watch. And I've actually seen him in the juniors maybe two years ago, and there were still little flashes of that. But obviously, you know, not quite the flashes that we had before. But I think we need to remember the good days when, you know, we 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 really did something, and that that league campaign was was the second half of that season was as good mm-hmm. as I've seen for many many a year, and and it's something that we should cherish because it won't happen very often and even when he came back in fairness to McLaren I remember a, a, a last minute free kick at Stenhouse Muring I can't think of many other players that would fancy to score a free kick and also you know the game disappointingly we never took anything off Rangers but there was a game round about the Christmas time uh, kind of holidays and stuff where we lost 1-0 to them and uh, Mojny was fighting with Gary Bowling coming off the pitch Willie McLaren was he ran the show that night. He was the best player on the pitch, uh, and he almost scored late on to make it one each. So he, he yeah, still he yeah, still yeah. got flashes, but it was just the the raw pace and and, and skill when he burst onto the scene. He was, he was unbelievable. 
another Steve, potentially another Stevie Gray. If you if you if you look at it, you know, in, in, in that way that you know, I think that Mercurial were back to that again. Yeah, I, I'm back to future players who come back for the second time. Not many we could see actually, you know, showed up great uh, to great effect. But another one for Jimmy Boyle. So he was spotted by by him when he was one of the youth side, John. And I, mean, I think the William McLaren story is. Adrian were having a trial and a guy turned up and said, can my mate play? And his mate was Willie McLaren. So uh, it's good when you get stories like that. It's almost the, the, the Jamie Vardy out of, out of nowhere and uh, then you get this class player. So uh, I think you feel like that's missing a bit as well, John, because you're saying that at 11 years old, they'll be signed up to a club and not allowed to play for their school and all that. Adrian yeah. V. Coatbridge school stuff's gone. So so we miss a lot of that. Absolutely, Colin. When I when I was a kid, you know, I played, you know, against people like Ian Ferguson and all that. You know, like like you know, you you got, they, they, there was a lot of quality in school football without question. And actually, Bobby Watson used to pop up every now and again and have a look. Uh, and you know, the, you were, you know, schools football was treated with respect. And you know, Airdrie Academy at one point, I think I, I captained the senior team. I think we had we had two senior teams, three intermediate teams, three junior teams, and two 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 juvenile teams. You know, like and 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 they were out, we were out every Saturday. You know, that, that's that's also partly what's wrong with football these days is that that's that's not been allowed to happen. Okay, guys, thank you very much for your time. As I said in the last podcast that we did, stay safe uh, and really looking forward to whenever it is when football's up and running again. I get to see you in person, but, but look after yourselves and we'll speak soon. You too, both. Okay, thanks, guys.